Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. Behold, the he goats which leaped upon the flock were streaked, speckled, and grizzled. 
And the Malach Elohim said unto me in the dream, Yaakov, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now your eyes and see all he goats which leap upon the flock are streaked, speckled, and grizzled, for I have seen all that Laban does unto you. I am El Beit El, for you did anoint a pillar, for you did bow a bow unto me. So it was a divine thing that he did in the exchange of those goats. He was the one. God was the one who took the wealth from the lot. And he wanted his wives to see that. And some people actually teach that Rahel didn't take the idol because she wanted an idol, but because she wanted her inheritance. But I think this text overturns that notion. As I said last week, she doubted pagan superstitions already when she tried to conjure up conception with the mandrakes. And she bartered with the mandrakes. She was already dabbling in something that God does not permit. Okay? But she's the one who tells Yaakov that he already has their inheritance in his possession. She knew that. She was the one that said it. Are we not accounted to him by him as strangers? In other words, aren't myself and my sister strangers to my own father? For he has sold us and has also quite devoured our price. In other words, he's consumed all his own wealth. And he's done so by bartering them away to Jacob. Okay? And she says, Rachel says this with her own lips, For all the riches that Elohim has taken away from our father, that is ours and our children's. She already has the inheritance and belongs to Jacob. So I don't think that that's why she took the idol. And I bring that up because we're talking about her again because our fortune actually started with where we left off last week and that was her death. Okay? Because I do think that Yaakov is the one who, pr who pronounced the verdict of her death on her when Laban asked for the idols. He said to Laban, With whomever you find your gods, ye shall not live. I wonder, had he known that Rachel had them, would he have said that? Because he loved that woman. But nonetheless, he said it. And in our portion, we, we see the result of that verdict. In 35 18, it says, And it came to pass, as her soul was departing, for she died that she called his name Ben Oni, son of my affliction. But his father called him Benjamin. In that one verse, which is a tiny verse, there is a lot of information. I've got about probably four pages of notes just on that one verse. <laughs> so a lot of stuff in it. First, I do believe that it's the fulfillment of Yaakov's pronunciation that whoever took the idol would die. Because she took the idol and she died. As I said last week, Rachel's attempt to name her son Ben-Oni, I believe, was an admonishment of her guilt and a, and a moment of repentance in the moment of her death. But, I started thinking, and I'm still going to have to investigate this because the timeline is not really given, but they had just traveled from Haran. 
They traveled down the southeast side of the Ardennes and get to the Yambok, which is a stream that feeds the Ardennes from the other side of the river. They create Sukkot there, which means they probably had Sukkot right there, I believe. And they cross the Ardennes, and then Yaakov encounters the Melachim, the messengers, and then he sends messengers to his twin brother. He encounters Esav, and then he anoints, he's told to go down to Beit El and anoint the pillar there, which is directly south of, of uh, Shechem, because he moves to Shechem after the, event, the events with his brother. And a lot of time has passed. But what I found interesting is in all of that time, her conception is never mentioned. It's the first time I've noticed that. The conception of Benjamin is never mentioned. I think that could be a hint at an allusion toward the virgin birth of Yeshua because Benjamin son of my right hand. I'm not saying that she was miraculous. Don't quote me that way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I believe it could be a picture because every other son of Israel, the conception is mentioned. All 12 of them, including Dinah, his daughter, their conception is mentioned. But check it out. Unless I missed it, I scoured it this morning and couldn't find it. I just found that very interesting. Right after she bore Rachel, let's think about this. Right after Rachel bore Yosef to Yaakov, he pleads to leave Laban with his wives and his children. And uh, Laban says no. Then he bears Dinah at that time. And that's when Yaakov learns how to take the wages from him through God's help. And then after, after he does all that, then God says it's time to leave. So they go, and Laban chases and accuses, and the punishment is declared, and Yaakov travels to the Yamok. And he learns his brother is coming, he sends him gifts to play cave, and all of a sudden Rachel is dying in childbirth. It says in 3516, Rachel bore a child. That's all it says about Benjamin. And she had hard labor. In that conception, there was no deceit to get Yaakov in the bed. There was no bartering. She probably didn't even think about it. Because she already had Yosef and two sons from Bilbo. Uh, they are Dan and Naftali. So she wasn't probably thinking about it. If you know anything, about women who struggle to conceive once they adopt a child, it happens. Anybody, I know several people that that has happened for. As soon as they adopt a child, bam. Right? She already has two adopted children and Yosef, who was that miracle baby, I think. And then, here comes this Benjamin. No bargaining with Leah. All right. So they traveled from Haran to Israel. They, uh, I've already said that. Let me see where I need to go. 
So after Shechem, the events that happened at Shechem, Yaakov was sent to Bethel again to make an offering. And in that directive, Yaakov finally tells his whole family, put away the strange gods that are among you. And that is Elohei Hanechah. And it literally means foreign or strange gods. And Nechar can further mean to scrutinize, to look intently, to acknowledge, and to revere. So it is, it is a thing that is devoutly worshipped. And he's finally telling his family to put them away. And then he tells them we are going to ascend to the house of God. They go down to Bethel. He anoints the place, and God reminds him now that his name is Israel. And I, I think I did a drosh on this some time back. I don't remember when, but until we get it in our head that we are a transformed being, that God has changed our very nature, then we're going to continue to have all these problems that Jacob had. Until we get it in our head, I believe that God was reminding him, your name is Israel now. Act like it. He kept on calling himself Yaakov. He kept on thinking in the natural. He allowed people to call him Yaakov. But now God is saying, your name, boy, is Israel. little verse that I mentioned shows us more. I'm going to read it again. It came to pass, as her soul was departing, before she died, she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Ben-Yamin. I believe this verse shows us that soul sleep is a ridiculous notion. Because it says, Betzet nafshah. Betzet nafshah. Does anybody listen to me, Kevin, and know the song, Betzet Yisrael? When they left, when she left, when her soul was leaving, her soul was leaving her body, and her body was saying what her soul wanted to say. And then she died. Are you with me? No. I think she was having trouble leaving her body, but had to go because of the pronunciation of Yaakov. And that was the moment of repentance. But the, but the point that I'm making is her soul was leaving. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm saying that is because people teach their, that, that the Bible teachers teach that when people die in the Bible, they, they go to sleep. Their soul goes into the ground with their body and it's asleep. Right. And the point that I'm making is this is one proof among many other proofs that that is not true. Amen. Her soul was leaving her body. To be absent from the body is to be present with Adonai. We are gathered to our people. I showed you a while back. Not all of the people who were, that were gathered to their people were buried in the same place as their people. That's not talking about burial. That's talking about the souls being gathered to a particular place. So I just wanted to point that out. The soul is the eternal essence that we live on. And it goes to God edit paradise, the bosom of Abraham, the presence of Yeshua. 
It does not fall asleep. The body symbolically falls asleep because the body of those whose souls have left their bodies and gone to those places will be resurrected again. And guess what? The bodies of all the wicked people will be resurrected again to be damned for eternity. That's why it's said that the body sleeps, but the soul doesn't sleep. All right. Amen. Sleep is an analogy to, to, to assure us that our original body will rise from the dead. That's why the Bible says sleep. All right? Uh, if it weren't true, it, it, is, is not God the God of the living? Yeah. So if God's the God of the living and we slept in the grave, we'd be buried alive. It's what it is. All right. Rachel is buried right there where she died in Ephratah, which is Beit Lehem. They were at the house of bread, Beit Lehem. That is a future indication, an allusion to some imagery that Yeshua would be born of Rachel in a figurative or even a spiritual way. Even though physically, in the natural, Yeshua is actually descended from Yehuda, technically the half-brother of Benjamin, right? Rachel is the beloved wife of the man in Israel, and she is, after this fact, still yet the figurative mother of Israel. She's referred to many times in the scriptures, a few times I should say, not many, but some more than three times she is referred to in that way as the mother of all the tribes. We might think, but you just said that she, she committed idolatry. Well, yeah, I did. But Abraham committed adultery. Sarah participated in that adultery. Yitzhak favored the son that God said not to favor. Reeves tricked him to give the other son the birthright that was going to go to him anyway. Yaakov was tricked by Leah and Rachel. All three of them Participating in adultery? Did they not? Yeah. Moshe struck the rock. David had a man killed so he could commit adultery. My point is, is that every one of the people in the scriptures, except for Daniel and Noah, every one of them have blemishes on their record. But they have repentant hearts. Yes. They stopped it. They saw their error and they, they were contrite over it. And that is the very thing that God asked of every one of us. Just because Noah's and Daniel's sins are not named doesn't mean they were perfect. The only one that walked this earth per perfectly was Yeshua. God doesn't throw people away like people do. He redeems them. The ones who are con contrite and seek repentance. I believe that's why he's calling out his people. Come out of her, my people. Come out of Babel. You gotta remember that's the same territory where Rachel and Yaakov just left. 
I do believe that's symbolic. Come out of her. All Jacob thought about back there was money. That's all he could think about was getting his money and getting out of there. It wasn't until he, had, he got to Beit El, or, or almost to Beit El, he was leaving Shechem, where he just had his daughter presented as a harlot to the, to the men of the city. It wasn't until he went through that that he finally said, you know what? Okay, God's calling me back to Beit El. I'm going to get rid of all your gods. He called his family to righteousness. He started acting as the Kohen in his home. And I believe that's where God has every man in his kingdom today. And I'm speaking specifically about the men. Is to rise up into the role of Israel and be the Kohen, be the priest of your home. Come out of the heart, come out of idolatry, come out of adultery, as idolatry is spiritual adultery. Covetousness is idolatry, Paul tells us, which is adultery. Are you with me? God is the one who says that, come out of her, my people. He's saying that to his people who are caught up in things. And I believe he's speaking that to the remnant right now. You guys know this, that's why I do what I do. I'm trying to, I'm doing my dead level best to wake one person up, that's, you know. And once that one person wakes up, okay, let me, let, let's get another one. You know, I'd like for him to be on mass. I would, I would love for thousands to repent and serve. And trust me, I'm trying. It goes all around the world. About 12 people watch it, but it goes all around the world. I think he's talking to this remnant right now the same way Yaakov talked to his family that day. Put away your strange gods. Let's rise up. Let's ascend to the house of God. You know, I, I look around this morning and the, the, the crowd is sparse. My own wife is not here because she's with the grandchild on a vacation trying to get back. They, they just didn't do it. Uh, people are traveling for family because Thanksgiving is coming up. People have jobs to take them somewhere. I know that life gets in the way, but we have to make this, yeah. we have to think about this as not just the assembly for the sake of the Sabbath, but as the assembly of God's army. Amen. And I've taught y'all that before, to come in here and get the battle plan refreshed, re-talk re about strategies and go back out there yes. and bring light to people yes. and rescue people out of the darkness and call them out. Yirmiyahu speaks of the redemption of Israel in this way concerning Rachel as the mother of Israel. In 31.3 he says, Again I will build you, he's talking to the whole nation of Israel, Again I will build you, O virgin of Israel. This shows you that God fully intended to redeem his people because by this time, by the time of Yirmiyahu, 31 chapters into his book, Israel and Yehuda, people can't seem to get it past their thick skulls that it's one nation of 12 tribes. But nonetheless, because of that division that created two houses, the, the point that I'm making is the whole of Israel had become an adulterous woman. Did not God say, ah, here's your certificate of divorce, Northern Kingdom, and oh, guess what? Guess what, Southern Kingdom? Here's your certificate of divorce. Didn't he? 
And he's speaking to the whole nation of Israel here, and he's saying, O virgin of Israel. Because only he can wash her. Only he can regenerate her and restore her to her untainted state. And he fully intends to do it. For thus says Yahweh, Sing with gladness for Yahweh, and shout to the head of the nations, announce praise, and say, O Yahweh, save your people, the remnant of Israel. God's people are the remnant. And again, I'm hammering it home to you. The remnant are those who show contrition over their own sin. Daniel, who never has a sin named in the Bible, who is revered, along with Noah, by the prophet Ezekiel, I believe it was, as the righteous, the most righteous, two of the most righteous people that ever walked the earth. Ezekiel saying, let us be like them. Daniel, who had never, who we don't know ever sinned, wrote one of the most beautiful prayers of repentance and him, included himself in the sin. Because he recognized that we all do it together. And you guys know what it is because you say it for 40 days every year. Daniel 9 through 4 through 19. Are you with me? Yep. That's the remnant. The people that care enough about Israel to pray for all repentance, including self. Even if you think you're so righteous, you didn't do anything. And there are people like that, sadly. Especially in the Messianic community. People of God are perfected people. They're not perfect people. They're perfected before God by the blood of Messiah. But that is, that is accomplished through repentance and contrition. So going further in Jeremiah. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them, and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the Kohenim with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says Yahweh. That is an echo of Yeshayahu, Isaiah chapter 61, if you ask me, the thing that Yeshua declared in his own synagogue in Nazareth. The same kind of thing. I will comfort them. I'll turn their mourning into joy. I'll rejoice. They will, they will rejoice over their sorrow. I will satisfy them. It's the same idea, at least, as what Yeshua declared to be the good news. And then in verse 14 it says, Thus says Yahweh, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are not. In other words, they're gone. So she's not going to be comforted. She's going to mourn. She's going to wail. She's going to grieve. Thus says Yahweh to Rachel, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says Yemma. And they shall come back. Who's they? Your children, Rachel, shall come back from the land of the enemy. And there is hope for your future, says Yemma, and your children shall return to their own border. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt that this is a layered prophecy. Mm -hmm. 
that God is not only talking to Rachel about natural Jewish people in the very last days returning to the land of Israel. We're witnessing the, the, the scene bed of that. Yeah. Not all Jews live in Israel. There's just a few in here. But one day they're all going to live in the land again. God is promising her that. But this is so much deeper than that because Rachel is gone at this point. And Matai tells us that part of this weeping was fulfilled when those babies from two years old and down were being killed in Beit Lechem, where Rachel was buried. Wow. For the purpose of trying to snuff out the messianic line because Herod heard the Messiah was born in Beit Lechem. And Matai says, that's talking about the prophet. He said, Rachel will weep for her children. But I think it's even deeper than that. I think it is the spiritual rise. It's Israel itself mourning and longing for all of the remnant. And all everybody in this room, how many of you, be honest and raise your hand if you are praying for a child to return to God. We are Rachel weeping for our children. That's good. If you don't have grown kids who are who are kind of living like Yaakov, kind of caught up in the things of, of Haran, then you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you have children that you taught, that you prayed for, that you wailed over, that you nursed and spanked and labored for and spent money on and, and, and devoted your life to, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I believe that God is telling us here, your children shall return to their own border. Amen. If that's not just a message for me, Josh Mayotte, and all the children represented in here, your children shall return to their own border. Look at all the junk that went on in Jacob's house for 20 years. 20 plus years. I may be just speaking to myself. They will return to their border. Yeremiah goes on this way. Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will make it brief Hanashah with Beit Israel and with Beit Yudah. Again, in the minds of, of, of distracted people, they think that that's a division in the kingdom, that there are two houses in the kingdom, but that's not what God is saying. Yes, naturally they were scattered. That's what God is saying. But one day they're going to be reunited. And this, what, what is about to happen, is being addressed to all 12 tribes. That's the point. Is being addressed to all 12 tribes. Does everybody understand why I'm saying that? Not according to the brief that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and bring them out of the land of Mitzrayim. For as much as they broke my brief, they broke my covenant. Although I was a husband to them. Remember what I said in the beginning of the chapter? Virgin of Israel, I was your husband. God said, I'm divorcing you. He's calling them a virgin. He's going to bring them back. Right. This is saying it to all 12 tribes. This is the brief that I will make with Beit Israel. Notice he didn't say Beit Yudah this time. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says Yahweh, I will put my Torah in their inward parts, and in their heart will I write it. And I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. 
and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know Yahweh, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. And I can't understand why Messianic people cannot understand that all 12 men that were present, except I think that Yehuda had left the meal at the Passover Seder, when Yeshua took that cup and said, this is the Brit Hadashah in my blood, that the 12 men he was talking to, most of them were Jewish. They weren't the 10 northern tribes because the, the two house goofballs teach that the renewed covenant is to the 10 northern tribes. And every man at that dinner that took that cup was a Jew, called himself a Jew, lived as a Jew, just like we did. They weren't from the northern kingdom. God said, I will make a covenant with the house of Israel. The house of Israel was those 12 men that he, made, that he passed that cup to. Somebody with me? Yeah. And that's who Rachel wept for. And that's who began the return to the borders. If you don't realize this, the borders are symbolic both sides of that scroll. about this. The tribe of Yehuda, from where Yeshua descends, owns the city of Beit Lehem. The place where Rachel is buried, who is not the mother of Yehuda, is in the territory of Yehuda. That's not a coincidence. Because the Messiah is born in Beit Lehem. The house of bread. Rachel is buried there. And that's where they put a memorial stone over her grave. Yehuda is the, is, is the tribe of King David. David was descended from Yehuda. He's the 14th great-grandfather of Yeshua in his natural state. So in, even in the natural, Yeshua, Yeshua is the king of the Jews. It's interesting to me that Rachel is also the mother naturally. So let's go over her natural children. She gave her hand in Bilhah to Yaakov, who bore to her Dan and Naphtali. So those are her first two kids. And then God finally opens her womb and, and she bears to Jacob the boy Yosef. And then God opens her womb again but doesn't tell us about it. And she bears to the and she has four sons of her own, two that are natural, two that are legally adopted, if you will. Those are actually listed as the sons of Rachel. There's a scripture that says it. These are the sons of Rachel. Dan, Naphtali, Yosef, Benjamin, and their sons are all the sons of Rachel. It's interesting to me that those two sons, ah, Here's the ones that are listed as their sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who are the sons of Joseph. So it's interesting to me that, the, that Ephraim is up in the north, and Dan's in the north, and Ephraim is in the south, and that's where the two houses 
of idolatrous worship on the part of northern Israel were planted. They belonged to Rachel.
what's up? And look what he says. No man can receive anything of his own will, except it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Messiah, but only a messenger to go before him. He who has a bride is the bridegroom, and the friend of the bridegroom is he who stands up and listens to him and rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, and I must decrease. That is the remedy. People who are trying to make themselves a name and be greater and be seen and have a following, Yochanan couldn't care less. In fact, he probably he turned people to Yeshua. Right. There's there's the Lamb. Go follow him. And these guys, that's what he's trying to do. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Go. And he closes his remarks. And if I encourage you to go home and read the rest of what Yochanan said to them, because I, I didn't put it all in here, but he closes it this way. He who believes in Haben, the son, has Haidelam, eternal life. And he who does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of Elohim shall remain on him. See? See? He's trying to get those guys to do. That's the one you need to follow. And not long after that, Yeshua said this of Yochanan. Because Yochanan had sent his Talmudim, he still had some people following him. He says, go ask him if there's another Messiah. I don't think it was so much doubt but trying to understand Yeshua's ministry. But I do believe he was part of the Essene community who believed in two Messiahs. The Jews still do believe that. In two Messiahs. Ask him if there's another one. And Yeshua answered and said, but he didn't even, he didn't say yes or no. He said, go tell them what you see. Basically saying, I'm a guy. Yeah. Hmm. And then when they leave to go tell Yochanan what Yeshua said, then Yeshua turns to the crowd and said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed which is shaken by the wind? If not so, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Behold, those who, who wear fine clothes and live delicately are in king's houses. And if not so, what did you go out to see? In Nabi? A prophet? And Yeshua says, yes. He called Yochanan in Nabi, a prophet, even though Yochanan had said, maybe two years before, I'm not a prophet, I'm not Eliyahu. And Yeshua says, and I say to you, yes, and much more than an Abi. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before you to prepare the way for you. I say to you that there is no Abi among those who are born of women who is greater than Yohanan Abi. And then after Eliyahu appears to Yeshua, this is getting closer to the end of Yeshua's ministry, Eliyahu visits Yeshua along with Moshe on the, mount, on the mountain and Yeshua is transfigured and stands there talking to Moses and, El and Elijah. And all of Israel is ex expecting Elijah to come. And they ask John if he is Elijah. And he says, no. 
And Elijah, the actual guy, who's not soul sleeping, by the way, when he get up out of his dirt nap to come and do what you're doing and go back to bed. Eliyahu is actually standing there talking to Yeshua. And his Talmudim asked him afterwards, said, Why then did the Supreme say that Eliyahu must come first? And Yeshua answered them and said, Eliyahu will come first, so that everything might be fulfilled. But I say to you, Eliyahu has already come. And they did not know him. And they did to him whatever they pleased. Thus also Ben-Hadam is bound to suffer from them. And his Talmudim, according to the very next verse, knew exactly what Yeshua was talking about. Then the Talmudim understood that what he had told them was about Yochanan HaMadim. Yochanan was Eliyahu, but he was not Eliyahu. The reason that, should, that Yochanan said, no, I'm not Eliyahu, is because he was his own person. The reason that Yeshua said he was Eliyahu is because he had the authority and the anointing of Eliyahu. And if an Eliyahu comes again, that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. It's not the actual Elijah. Elijah was taken up and transformed. He's eternal already. Are you with me? Yochanan did everything that God told him to do and nothing more. Absolutely nothing more. And certainly not anything less. And when he saw that his time was over, and I guess that must have been when he saw that Yeshua was immersing people and amassing a gathering of followers. I'm done. That's, that's effectively what he said. I'm done. But the point is, is he wasn't seeking to make a name for himself. And, it, and it, I cringe when I hear people in the believing community. It, you know, I, I told you there's there's a new church that popped up on the way to work. Sure enough, time to the picture of the guy, his own name. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. When I was a kid, you had to go ask who the pastor was. Right. Yeah. The name wasn't on the church building. There wasn't a billboard anywhere. It's humility. Well, anyway. <laughs> I guess we're done. done? Go follow Yeshua. <laughs> <laughs>